Ion 2020 episode 330, the vice presidential debate episode. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, host of Ion 2020, taking a look at the debate. The vice presidential debate between Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike Pence. Kamala Harris, the senator from California. That's right. And uh, she is running with with Joe Biden on his ticket. And if there's one thing I can say about this debate, it was not the same debate as last week. It was pretty well, I mean, overall, my first impression of it. Like, this is what I'll tell you guys about, about my first thoughts of it just after watching the whole thing is that generally the two people were respectful of each other's time. They didn't really talk over each other too much. Mike Pence would have went a little bit too long on some of his answers because the moderator had to stop him a few times. And there was a couple of times where Kamala Harris kind of was uh, like, hey, listen, it's my time to talk. And she said it very condescendingly. It was uh, I actually made notes of that at one point as well, that she's just kind of like does these little things that are condescending to him. Uh, but other than that, like, you know, generally it was it was what you ex- expect from a regular old presidential debate, you know, uh, two people that are making political points that kind of avoid questions. If a question's asked, they go back to previous statements. If a question's asked, they go back to, they don't really answer those questions. They go back to talking about what they want to talk about. And then they might talk about their, you know, what the question was a little bit, but literally these two um, didn't do anything that would really change anybody's mind though. And that's overall, that's what I'm thinking. If you're looking at who won the debate, Mike Pence clearly won the debate. He's a better debater. Kamala Harris seemed like she was very scripted. She seemed like she spent a lot of time trying to learn these scripts, 
learn what she's supposed to say, but there was a few times where I see that she got a little bit tongue-tied, that she forgot what she was supposed to say, that she had to kind of collect herself for a second. She, you know, generally, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're a Democrat, you're going to look at her and say, well, she did a good job. I mean, my, my wife had mentioned that some, one of her friends said, oh, she looks beautiful and she looks great. You know, not a hair out of place or whatever. Um, if you're voting based upon, you know, someone's looks, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that people are going to really look at this thing and say, oh yeah, this guy totally changed my mind. Now, Mike Pence did give a really good overall defense of Donald Trump. I thought that that was the case. He never, he never, you know, stuttered. He never staggered on that. He was always quick to go into what Donald Trump's done. And the same talking points that Donald Trump would say about himself, that he fixed the economy, that the economy was broken and they fixed it. Like, those are things that Mike Pence said in a much more concise way than Donald Trump ever would, by the way. The guy is a very good speaker, and he's very calm, articulate, and all of that. On the other hand, Kamala Harris, she came off as not really, in my opinion, like I said, she was very scripted. She wasn't sure of herself. There was a few times where she really did get sure of herself, though. Like when he attacked her record in New York's arena uh, in California as a prosecutor, and she was able to really come down and say, "No, I did this, this, and this." And uh, she seemed very confident when she was defending herself. Uh, she there was a few times where she came off as very confident, but overall, I just got the impression that uh, she wasn't really prepared for the debate. And it's the same impression I got from her during most of the debates in the past, though. When she was doing all of the Democratic debates for the primary, I really didn't feel like she did a very good job on any of them except for one of them. And that was the one where she attacked Joe Biden as being racist. And she ended up coming off of that debate clearly a winner. Like, she went from floundering the polls around five, four or five percent, up to like 17 percent in the polls after that. She did a phenomenal job, but then the very next debate, like a week, two, three weeks later or whatever, she did a terrible job and she just sunk away. And by December, she was dropping out of the race. So maybe she's just not a very good debater. I don't know. I did not get the impression that she felt comfortable there. Um, whereas Mike Pence just came off as a very, you know, competent guy. Uh, not that everything that he said was perfect, not that everything that he said I agree with as a libertarian, obviously. Uh, there's a lot that I disagree with him on for policies and things of that nature. But if you're just a layperson, because I try to do this from the typical American standpoint when I'm doing these debate episodes, I want to show what I think a, a normal American person that would watch it would be thinking. Now, most Americans did not watch the debate. You probably get 30, 40 million people that watch it over all the news channels. I think 70 million people watched the debate last week, but probably 50% of them tuned out before even the end of the debate because they were just couldn't even watch it. I mean, the only people that I think that really watched it all the way through is people that are doing podcasts, to be honest with you. On this debate, you probably had a lot of people fall off as well, but that's just because they were going to bed or they just didn't want to watch the debate. They just tuned in for a little bit. Uh, but 
I just don't, I mean, I don't think that people are really making decisions per se about who they're going to vote for now based upon the vice presidential debate. But uh, clearly Mike Pence, I mean, overall, I'm sure all of the networks are saying it now. You guys know that I don't, if you've listened to this show uh, for any of the other debate episodes I did way back when they were doing the, the Democratic primary debates and last week's debate, I try to do this show immediately after the debate. I watch it. I go into my, you know, recording studio and I start recording. And the reason why I do this, because I don't want to get any, anybody telling me what I'm supposed to think about the debate. If you watch Fox News, obviously Pence won. If you watch MSNBC, obviously Kamala Harris came off as a, as a great orator and she was making a defense against Donald Trump and going on the attack and all that. Pence was doing the same thing if you're watching Fox News. So I don't even want to go there. If you're watching any of the news up, news networks, you're going to have a lot of people telling you what you're supposed to believe. And I didn't want to do that. I just, whenever I'm doing these debates, I just want to get my thoughts on the table. And then, you know what? In a couple of days, I'll put out a show that'll kind of do a recap or something like that of what they're saying on the, uh, what they're, what they're actually saying about it, you know, cause they're, they're the talking heads. They get things going. They'll have their little, um, you know, polls and things like that that are going on during these debates and after the debates as well. And they'll be able to tell you about those. And then I'll be able to tell you about those as well. So uh, anyway, Harris, I, these are the notes I made. Harris, she had a very slow start. Uh, she was asked about the COVID question and all that, uh, just a little bit about COVID. And she kind of went in and said that this administration has been a dismal failure on the COVID issue and 200,000 people are dead and all that. Um, Mike Spence says Trump you know, closed the borders of China and Joe Biden was against that. And it's, you know, it saved millions of lives because of that. We could have had 200,000 deaths, even if we did everything right, Pence said. You know, we could have had upwards of 200,000 deaths, they said, even if we did everything right. And surely we have had 200,000 deaths, and that's a tragedy. But we could have had 2.2 million deaths if we did nothing. And that's what that was kind of Pence's defense on that. Um, Kamala Harris said something kind of funny. She looks into the camera and she's saying, you know, how calm were you when you were looking for your next roll of toilet paper? And I don't know if you guys know this, but I mean, you guys obviously remember looking around for toilet paper. I used to drive around my car for work and I would stop at every Dollar General trying to find toilet paper. So it's kind of funny that she said that, but it came off as cheesy. And um, it came off as though Donald Trump has some kind of control over toilet paper manufacturing to me. Like the way that she said that, how calm were you when you're looking for an extra toilet paper? How calm were you when you lost your job and all that? Like, you know, look at how mismanaged this entire process has been, but it's not like the president is the one that's sitting there, uh, manufacturing toilet paper or distributing toilet paper or putting toilet paper on the shelves at the grocery stores or whatever. There is not a national toilet paper manufacturing distribution arm going on of the federal government. And, uh, it's nowhere in the constitution, by the way, but where are you, (laughs) how calm were you when you were looking for your uh, next roll of toilet. Well, it depends upon if I had to take a crap or not, to be honest with you, Kamala. Um, 
<laughs> if I really had to go, then I was probably not calm. My wife would attest to that. But especially, or, or if I got in there and I, and I had to go, and then all of a sudden I am looking for a roll of toilet paper and there's no toilet paper there, and I'm screaming up to my wife, honey, I need toilet paper, and she's not in the house, then yeah, maybe not too calm. But anyway, besides that point, I just thought that that was really funny. <laughs> so, and then uh, Pence was saying, you know, and in response to Kamala Harris, who was giving him criticism, he said, you know, he was pulling the whole, well, I have confidence in the American people and I have confidence in them doing what's right and correct with the right info. He did say one thing that Donald Trump trusts the American people to do the right thing. And we're about freedom and respecting the American people. And while they did kind of influence doing some shutdowns and so forth in the beginning. Donald Trump has sort of been hands-off with the states and telling, like, and letting them do what they want to do, and I've always said that is generally good. I don't like the idea of all of the lockdowns and things of that nature. Um, I like when he says, we are about freedom and respect in the American people. Now, obviously, that's a talking point, and it's only talking to his base and talking to people that believe in freedom, which is most Americans, I think generally believe in freedom and freedom and respecting the American people. Um, so obviously the talking point, but you know, I like that talking point in some ways. Now, now you know what? Follow through with it. Trump administration, follow through with that. And I, you know, they are listening to some good people on like the coronavirus right now as well. Um, so in general, I think that they're going to be starting to take more of a Swedish type approach of, Hey, you know, take care of the old people, the people that are the most likely to to die from the coronavirus, and start, you know, letting people be free and move about and do what they're supposed do what they want to do and stuff. I think that they're t- generally trying to go that way. But anyway, so moving on, they were taught just saying about the you know we're we were about respecting the freedom of the American people. Uh, Kamala Harris kept on just eyeballing the camera and she has this, my wife called it a fake smile and not to just criticize the lady completely. I'm sorry if I do that. Um, but she comes, I said this in the debates before as well. She just comes off to me and I'm sure she comes off the same way to other people. And my wife specifically said this, that she just comes off as insincere and that she has like a, um, this face where it's like, when she tries to smile, you can, it, I can just tell it's a fake smile. And then it just goes right back to that serious, that serious face that she has. And I just don't know that that comes off well, especially like when she's staring into the camera, she goes from this really nice smile to like this really serious face. And it just comes off as kind of fake, you know? Um, but she kept on appealing like, what... All you people that are sitting in a food line right now, waiting for food, like like we really have food lines in America. I'm sure there's some somewhere, but we're the richest. I mean, overall, we are a very wealthy country. I heard it said today that, and this was by um, an African-American commentator. I can't remember what his name is. Lowry, Glenn Lowry on the Glenn Lowry show, I think is where it was. And he said something to the effect of like, Black people are the black people in America are the richest people of African descent in the entire world. 
in the entire world, black people are, in America are the richest people of African descent. And they can, they, and like, we should not be sitting there complaining about that in general. Now, obviously, there might be some discrepancies within America from black to white. And he did say that. And I say that, obviously, that that is the case. And there's problems there. But it's not that terrible of an issue overall when, you know, it's not like we're all sitting in huts with dirt floors by any means, you know, but she, I mean, but the, the picture that Kamala Harris was painting of America right now is that there's bread lines everywhere, that people are dying in the street, that people are jobless and homeless and all this stuff. And I'm sure that is true in plenty of places in some way, but overall, I mean, she just, she blames, blames all of that completely on the Trump administration and not to be the biggest defender of Trump by any means, but from an economic standpoint, how on earth can you blame what's going on right now with COVID-19 in the economy and the shutdowns and all of that stuff with the slowdown in the economy caused by governors who shut down their states for three, four, five months in a row some states one or two months, but many places, I mean, California is still shut down. Many states in the Northeast are still generally shut down. In New York, they're talking about doing shutdowns some more. And you're talking about boarded up storefronts. You're talking about people waiting on bread lines. You're talking about people that are unemployed and all of that. And you're going to blame it on the Trump administration. It just seems insincere to me when she goes down that route. Now, there's obviously good points to be made that she has that, hey, things can be better, but I just don't see the solutions that they are presenting with the Joe Biden campaign on that. But you know what? I'm a libertarian. I generally want a hands-off approach to the economy anyway from, you know, I just, I just want the, there to be a laissez-faire free market capitalism, and, you know, and we don't have that in America. We have a corporatist system in America. We have a system of cronyism in America. We have a pseudo-socialist mix of capitalism in America that everyone calls capitalism for some reason, even though it's definitely not because the government has everything regulated from top to bottom, from up to down, left to right, wherever you go, whatever you get, whatever you do has some sort of regulation on it. But anyway... um, but she was just blaming it all on the incompetence of the administration. But obviously she has to. Mike Pence comes back on it. And he always says that we lowered taxes on the American people. And we brought energy security to America. And we were tough on China. And we this and we that. And, you know, 500,000 manufacturing jobs. And da 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 You know, all of the talking points that they always say. But... I have spoken to plenty of Trump supporters before, and they love those words. They regurgitate those words on their own. So we'll just leave that. Um, vac- a vaccine, okay? A vaccine. So Kamala Harris said, I'm not taking it if Trump says to take it. Whenever they called her out and says, would you take the vac- vaccine or vaccine vaccine when it comes out? I'm sorry pronunciation of vaccine kills me sometimes. So, um, anyway, 
moving on. So she says, I will not take it if Trump says to take it. And then Pence says, we have three companies in phase three trials right now. Stop playing politics with the people's lives. We know what failure looks like. The swine flu had 60 million cases. And this isn't word for word. These are just the notes that I took. The swine flu had 60 million cases. They said that it was a terrible response that you guys had to this thing. If you want to see what failure looks like, that's what the failure looks like. Then he says, stop undermining confidence in the vaccine. And that's what Pence said to Kamala Harris. And it's sort of true. I mean, from the standpoint of the three different companies that have phase three trials going on, um, some of them are in different stages than others. And in general, the people who are going to get that vaccine first are going to be the people who are the highest risk. You don't want to necessarily undermine people's confidence in that. Now, obviously, if they're rushed to market and all that, when you go through phase one, two, and three trials, you're going to know that if it's, that it's safe for people to have in their bodies. Then you're looking at, on phase three, looking at efficacy, which means that how, what's the effect that it has once you have it, if it works on the, if it works to fix the problem that is, that is diagnosed or intended to fix, that's what a phase three trial will do, um, to see just how many people have different side effects and so forth. Once those phase three trials are over, then it's pushed through to get clearance, um, Generally, it's a good, a good system, a good enough system uh, from a libertarian perspective. Could there be private systems that would be better? Absolutely, there be competing markets and all that stuff. Um, but the system that we have now, you can generally most have some confidence in the efficacy of the drug when it comes out or the efficacy of the uh, vaccine when it comes out. Now, would I, am I going to take it? I don't feel like I'm high risk that I should even have to take it in the first place. Um, so, you know, that, that's my feeling on that. Uh, but I don't think that you need to really sit there and, uh, try to destroy the confidence in the American people, I guess. But, um, she's making a political statement though, is what it comes down to. She's making a political statement. I don't believe it. My personal belief is I don't believe that the government should be forcing us to take a vaccine when it comes out. Um, people should have the choice to do it if they want to. I, I mean, that's, that's my feeling. And I think a lot of people will and a lot of people won't. From a standpoint of Kamala Harris saying that I'm not going to take it if Trump says to take it, uh, that kind of just pushes people in one direction. Uh, to have your political view, and that's a political statement to be made. She says, well, if Dr. Fauci says it, da-da-da-da-da, you know what? The the Trump administration is going to get everybody on board that they need to get on board to say that's the right thing to do, and this is a scientific thing, and blah, 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 you know? So it is what it is. That that was just a, clearly a political statement. Uh, I, I did make a note that Pence was owning Kamala right now, uh, about into those notes. And the only reason why I wrote that is because she was just coming off as really unconfident and was not seeming like she knew what her lines were supposed to be, per se, whereas he was on top of things. And he, you know, he called her out a few times on a few things, but that, uh, generally there wasn't like a lot of arguments going back and forth or anything like that. 
Although if he tried to talk over her, she would look at him and just say, this is my time. This is my time. And, uh, it was kind of, like I said, it seemed kind of condescending, but you know what? She was trying to come off as tough and I'm sure that was the intention that she would have had. But if like, if I was sitting there saying, this is my time, this is my time, excuse me. Like I would look like a real jerk as well. Um, and that's pretty much the way that it came off when I was watching it. But, and my wife felt the same way also when she, when she heard that. They went into age of candidates and all that. Both of them kind of dodged that question as well. They talked about Trump's health and Biden's health. Both of them generally dodged those questions as well. They went back to earlier comments. Uh, and that was about it. Uh, they, Kamala went into the health records of Donald Trump and says, yeah, the health records should be out. So should his taxes. And he went into debt and owes $400 million and is making decisions. Is he making decisions for the people? Or is he making decisions for himself? You know, good questions to ask, I'm sure. Uh, the, the the answer had been given by Donald Trump, I believe, where that $400 million was just debt that was on a hotel or something like that. Who knows if that's true or not. Uh, but most, most of the time with commercial debt, it's going to be refinanced at some point anyway. And that's what they'll be doing over the next year. Um, is he beholden to anybody? That will come out at some point. And you know what? I am sure that Donald Trump is doing things to benefit himself while he's in public office. I would not put a pass at him all at him at all. There are people who come into public office and ten years later they're worth a hundred million dollars as well. So those people do just as much of the wheeling and dealing as Trump is doing too. But um Two wrongs don't make a right. I would not put it past him, though. I think that most people will try to benefit themselves while they're in public office. There's very few Ron Pauls out there. So um, that's not a defense of Trump whatsoever. And that's not a defense of, you know, Bernie Sanders or whoever else is making money while they're in there. Like two wrongs does not make a right. They're all wrong in that situation. Um, but the, that's even more of a defense for the federal government doing less guys so that there will be less need to worry about these people that are corrupt as hell that are up there in public office. If the government did less, if the government did almost nothing, then it wouldn't matter. These people would not be able to enrich themselves. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, Pence, his defense was that $400 million being refined or that he owes. And if if Donald Trump is trying to benefit himself or the people, and then Pence says, Trump is a businessman. He's a job creator. He created jobs. He's done lots for tax cuts to boost the economy and da, 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 you know, all that stuff. So he went right back to the defense of Trump. Jobs. 11 million jobs have not been replaced. That was one of the questions that was asked about this um, entire debate with the economy that's going on right now and that the economy is not quite, you know, coming back as it should have. Listen, my, you guys already heard me say this, man. You cannot necessarily blame Donald Trump for all that's going on right now. There would have been a downturn in the economy no matter what because of people's fear to leave their house or fear to go outside or fear to go into, you know, large crowds and things like that. Fear to go to football games, fear to go to events. People would have made on their own 
despite the government, with the right information from the press, they would have made decisions to mitigate their risk while the coronavirus is out there. They would have. So you cannot necessarily blame Trump completely, 100% for the downturn in the economy. You can't give Trump credit for the uptick in the economy. In general, if you shut down everything and then people lose their jobs and get laid off, if you shut down the entire country and then you open up the entire country and companies have to start hiring people and so forth, you cannot take the blame for going down. You can't take the blame for or take the credit for going up. Nobody necessarily does that. Net jobs over the course of the next year, if they go up in the number of jobs, I don't even know that you can give the president or whoever's in charge credit for that. I think we give people way too much credit as Americans when we say, oh, well, look what Joe Biden did with uh, with Barack Obama. Barack Obama and Joe Biden's economy was so great. No, guys, come on. The American economy goes forward no matter what, whether politicians do anything or not, despite that. Are there tax policies in place that can help things out? Absolutely. And the only thing that Donald Trump has done is had relatively good tax policy when it comes down to corporate income tax. That makes it so that corporations pay less taxes so they could do more and invest more and hire more and so forth. As for other things, we do have a bubble economy right now with very, very, very low interest rates spurred on by the Federal Reserve, which the Federal Reserve manipulates the interest rate and brings it down really low. And then it makes it so that more businesses and more people take out excessive loans and loans that they may not be able to afford if, you know, those interest rates go back up or they take on extra risks that they otherwise would not have because of the low cost to borrow. And that's going to cause a bubble and it is causing a bubble and it over time is going to make the bubble bigger and bigger, especially if they inflate it even more. So is the president in charge of the economy? I've always said that it's not really him or her or whoever's a president that is doing that much, but they will take credit for it if things are good and the other side will blame them if it's bad. Every single time, it's always been that way. So anyway, that's the 11 million jobs. Neither really answered it. But then Pence went into, we cut taxes, not for the rich, but for the blue-collar American by an average of $4,000 per family. And Joe Biden wants to raise those taxes and bury the economy under the Green New Deal. That's what Pence says. And then Kamala says, we are not for the Green New Deal, and he's not going to raise taxes. And that kind of went back and forth for a bit as well. Um... Joe Biden, if he raises taxes on a corporation, if let's say you raise the taxes by 10% on a corporation, corporations don't pay taxes, guys. They charge a little bit more for their products. That's it. Or they invest less. That's it. So if they charge 10% more for their products because their taxes just went up by 10%, who paid for that? The blue collar worker, you and me. And that's it. So uh, even so, if they do decide to end the Trump tax cuts, then obviously that 2000 per average per family, 4000 average for like a middle class family or something like that goes away as well. Kamala says no for anyone under $400,000 a year, 
you will not see an end to that. And then they went back and forth fracking as well, but whatever. Um, Trump really claims that he's brought energy independence and all this stuff to America. Um, I think we had it before then as well. So they got into the Supreme Court as well. Neither of them answered the question on abortion. Uh, Trump Pence did make a statement that says that I am strongly pro-life and so is this administration. Kamala Harris, obviously pro-choice, blah, blah, blah. But they got into the Supreme Court thing and uh, not really too much, man. I mean, obviously that Pence pushed Kamala Harris and said, are you going to pack the court? They would not answer that. We all know that the Democrats are going to pack the court if Trump gets his way and gets um, Amy Coney Barrett into the Supreme Court by November, December, or whenever. If that happens, if the Democrats get into power, they will pack the court. They've said it, the party's for it, and it's going to happen. And um, it really comes down to, you know what, we didn't win, or we didn't get our way, so we're going to do what we want to anyway. Um, We'll see what happens, but they'll do it, because they are so adamantly scared that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is probably not going to happen. Um, anyway, moving on, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to see where all, where, where they're at. Okay. Joe Biden will bring us together is one of the notes I put good people on both sides argument. Oh yeah. So that was interesting. So they got into this thing with Kamala Harris mentioned the whole thing when, with the Charlottesville, um, Virginia uh, thing that happened back a couple of years ago. And then afterwards, Donald Trump says, you know, and they, and you, they get, they highlight the quote from, there were good people on both sides. And Kamala Harris used that to say, look at that. That's the president. We have a racist that sticks up for Nazis and all that. And that is the number one most used thing to call Donald Trump a racist. And in his defense, cause I've said this before, that was taken completely out of context because he did not say there were good people on both sides from the Nazis and the and the um, KKK, not the, uh, the Nazi people, KKPA people, and the people that were protesting against them and the um, black, I don't know if it was Black Lives Matter, I think it was Antifa people. And Trump was saying there was good, good people on both sides of the argument about the statues. There's people that are arguing for and against taking down statues. That was the entire context of the question. And then he did say that he was not okay with the, or he condemned the racists and the Nazis and so forth. In that situation, he did. So she tried to use that good people on both sides argument, which has been completely debunked. And, uh, it still happened anyway, you know, but then Pence did defend him on that as well, said that, you know, people like to selectively edit things, which is true. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, man. This debate, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't change people's minds on how they're going to vote. Um, it was a good thing to watch just to see two relatively civilized people go back and forth. Donald Trump destroyed it last week, did a terrible job last week, and made some very stupid comments last week that he had to backtrack. And he did backtrack that whole 
race thing. I can't remember exactly what he said. I, I mean, I did a sh whole show on it. He did backtrack on that, which is probably good. It saved him, I'm sure, but he still looks like a scumbag for saying it. Um, and I wish, uh, I wish I could think of exactly what it was right now, because my mind's just, uh, trying to figure it out. But anyway, it is late. I'm going to go ahead and hit the hay, but I appreciate those who are joining me for, uh, another look at the 2020 election and the debate show. I'll be releasing this as soon as I'm done with it. So I uh, appreciate you. But anyway, go ahead and give me a five-star rating round in review on, on, uh, Apple podcasts. If you can also Facebook, you just go to I on the empire, I on the empire. You'll find me if you just type that in also on Twitter, you can do that and I on the empire.com as well. But anyway, I appreciate you. Keep on coming back every Monday and Thursday for the show. I might release a show on Friday, I'm not sure, just kind of like a recap of the debate and see what the talking heads were saying as well. Uh, just keep an eye out for that if you would like to. But anyway, I appreciate those that joined me, and uh, I will speak to you guys on Monday for sure so you can have clear vision for 2020.